Well, go ahead and have a seat, guys. We want to talk this morning uh, from Ephesians chapter 3. And so I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to that passage. Uh, Again, whether Bible or whether phone or whatever it might be, we encourage you to follow along as we're going to read a few verses today that kind of help us kind of understand exactly what it is that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, are supposed to be doing. Now, I think that all of us, it's incumbent upon us as followers of Christ, like that we ought to figure this thing out, right? Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, we ought to know what God wants us to do. We ought to know exactly what the church is supposed to look like. Because, let's be honest, like, there are not a lot of great examples, like, sometimes. You know, because the ones that get all the attention are the ones that are doing it wrong, right? The churches that are really messing up. The churches that are inwardly focused or maybe, like, focused on putting themselves on pedestals and all those kinds of things. Like, like those are the ones that are talked about. Those are the ones that, that get all of the news and get all the attention and get all of the, uh, the talk and all of that kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, not many of them actually represent what it is that the church, the body of Christ, is really supposed to be doing. And so in light of that, I, I, I thought like today on this Labor Day, when we're talking about like, you know, obviously talking about and celebrating like this idea of like us as workers, right? That's what Labor Day is kind of all about. Then we actually talk about like what it is that we, the church of Jesus Christ are supposed to be doing and what work are we supposed to be about? What are we supposed to be engaged in? And are we doing it right? Kind of a time of self-evaluation. And, and today what I'm going to do is just kind of let that flow from not like my words, certainly not from anything that I come up with, but let it flow from the words of the Apostle Paul. Because Paul, obviously, one of the most influential uh, Christians that has ever lived, certainly a person that, that even today speaks truth into the church. Like, I, I can't think of a better source that we can kind of get an idea of like what we're supposed to be doing than from him. And so we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3. Before we read from verse 6 in just a moment, I, I kind of want to give you a picture of like why Paul is writing this letter. Now, it's important for us to recognize that as Paul is writing this book, he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, but also more importantly, because again, the, the book of Ephesians doesn't clearly say that it was written like to a individual or a group. It's actually kind of a cyclical letter. In other words, one that was written to like lots of churches. The intention that Paul had that it was going to be passed around from church to church to church. But understand this, as Paul wrote this letter, he wrote it from prison. And so everything that we're going to talk about today like this calling that he felt, this calling that he wants us to feel and us to recognize and understand. He is writing this from a position of being persecuted for believing it. He's writing this from a position of like being locked down for believing it. And so while we read through this passage and we talk through what it is that he wants us to see, like, like don't lose sight of the fact that that, that when Paul is encouraging us to do what we're supposed to do, he, he's writing this from a, a position of like not knowing what his future might look like and not knowing what tomorrow might hold. Now, I say all that to say this, like, then we're without excuse, right? Because there's nobody in this room that's in prison, right? I mean, none of us are in prison, right? I know sometimes, you know, with school and with, you know, all work, sometimes we feel like we're in prison, but we're not in prison. I get it, Right. We're not in prison. We are not being persecuted like the way Paul was. We are certainly not, you know, in a situation where people are out to kill us and to take us down and to throw us in prison and beat us and stone us and all of those kinds of things. Like, we don't face that stuff. 
And so we're without excuse that we better be doing what God wants us to do. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read beginning with verse 6 as Paul is kind of laying out for us uh, this mystery that he talks about in the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 3. Like this mystery that God had revealed to him through that revelation, of course, that was you know on the road to Damascus. We know Paul's uh, experience there when, when God spoke to him in that you know, transformation moment. And so he writes this beginning with verse 6, Ephesians chapter 3, and he says this, and this is God's plan. Now, I think in your scripture, in your Bible, or on your phone, like you ought to highlight that, underline that, do something there, because anywhere where it tells you this is what God wants out of you, I think it probably is a good thing to like pay attention, right? And so this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news, the gospel, they share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, did you catch what we just read in those verses from verses 6 through 11 of Ephesians chapter 3? Three times in that passage, we heard the statement, this was God's plan. This is what God planned to do. This was God's purpose. Like we understand, like, like this is a, a statement of like God's design, God's plan, God's hope, God's calling on us, the body of Christ, the church, right? And so the church, and we all know, we've talked about this many times, the church is not a building, the church is like individuals, the people, the body of Christ, like we have been all called, we're all part of the same body. Like we have this opportunity of being a part of something that going back 2,000 years that God had a plan for. That's a pretty like incredible thought if you think about it. Like the God of the universe has a plan for us, has a plan for us individually. Certainly we've talked about that before as well. But today he had a plan for us corporately. He had a plan for us, like those of us in this room and churches that are meeting all over this city and all over the world today as they're opening God's word together. Like God has a plan for us together to do something. And so today, let's just kind of walk through like the elements of that to understand like what that looks like so that we can make sure that we are a good example of what the body of Christ is supposed to be, not a bad example of what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Because I think all of us like in this room, whether you're a part of Thomas Road or whether you're visiting with us, like I think probably all of us would say, hey, we want to be a part of a church that's a good example, right? None of us would say, man, I want to be a part of a church that really like blows it royally. Like, you know, I don't think any of us would say like, man, I want to be a part of a church like the world just looks at and says, man, they are full of hypocrites, right? Like like they're not doing it right, man. I want to be a part of that group, right? We don't want that. We want to be a part of church of a church that's doing the right stuff. So again, just four things that I want to give you today, like four quick, easy phrases that you can hold on to. And the first one is this, this idea of what God's plan is. Here's God's plan. The gospel for all. 
God's plan is that the gospel would be available to all. We go back to this passage we just read, verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Now, this is important in the context it was written, because remember now, before Jesus came to the cross, before he died, before he was buried, before he rose again, and then in the the time right after that, in Acts chapter 2, when the church began, and when the church began to blossom, the church began to grow, it was an exclusive church. Like, it was a picture that they were going out, and here's who they were trying to reach. Well, in fact, this is a perfect time for a quiz. In the first few days of the church after Jesus ascended into heaven, like what was the focus of those who were going out? What was the focus of the apostles at that time? Who were they trying to reach? Can somebody tell me? The Jews, right? They were going after Jesus's people, like God's people. They were going after that group. It was an exclusive message, right? And so we know that when Paul came along, and of course Peter was part of this as well. Peter had that, that vision of, of reaching out and going outside of that group. And of course Paul was like the epitome of just that. In fact, he even talks about that, that you know, he, God called him and equipped him to go out to reach those beyond that world. Like, so here in verse 6, the message is this. Like, hey, God's plan was that both Jew and Gentile Gentile alike would actually have the opportunity of being a part of the same body, being a part of the same church, together in the gospel, together knowing the truth of what Jesus did. Like, it's not exclusive anymore. It is inclusive. It's available to all. The gospel for all. What a great message. Because we live in a time today where everything is all about inclusivity, right? Like everybody, man, we want to, you know, we want everybody to, you know, to feel equal. Hey, where we should feel equal is the fact that all of us are sinners who are in desperate need of a Savior. And Jesus came to be that Savior. He died on the cross for the sins of all mankind. He died, was buried, and rose again. And through Him and Him alone, that is where we find salvation. Now understand the dynamic I just told you. That through the exclusivity of the gospel comes the inclusivity of the message. Like the message, the gospel is an exclusive message. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. And any one, any group, any church, any denomination, any religion, any faith that tells you that you can get to heaven through any other way except through Jesus, they are wrong, they are false, and sometimes they are flat out lying to you. It cannot happen except through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and that He rose again, and that He is the only one that can give us access to the Father. He is the only one that can give us the promise of heaven, eternity with Him. It only comes through Jesus. But that message, as exclusive as it is, is what allows us to recognize and to state what Paul said here, the gospel for all. It's not just for that group. It's not just for this group. It's not just for the, you know, the people that come from a certain area. It's not from the people who go to a certain church. Hey, I'm going to let you in a secret and I don't want to offend you. It's not just for Baptists. It's available to all. 
That phrase that's used there, Jews and Gentile alike, that's not talking about, you know, in today's culture, that's not just talking about like, like one little segment of the population. So that statement, Jews and Gentile, literally is the idea of like every single person who has been born, who is alive, and who will ever be born falls into the category of those two groups. Every single person, the gospel for all. And what that tells us that because of what Christ did through the exclusivity of the gospel, that now we have the opportunity and the privilege of recognizing that we can be a part of the body of Christ that is not always made up of people who look like us. It's made up of people who don't look like us. It's made of people who come from different backgrounds and different walks of life. It comes from people who come from different countries and and different, you know, cultural backgrounds. Like like I look over here to A.J. Pillay. AJ, I can do AJ stand up real quick if you would. Here's what I know about AJ. So AJ's my buddy and he leads our men's ministry here at Thomas Road. Here's what I know about AJ and I'm going to get close so you guys can see what I'm talking about. AJ doesn't look like me. Like number one, like I'm, I'm bleached white, right? Like, okay. He's not. I have, well, hair. So, so like we don't look alike. He's from India. And here's what I know. Him being from India and me being from Virginia, here's what I know. Jesus died for us both. And we are part of the same family. And it doesn't matter what he looks like or what I look like. We are equal before Christ because it's the gospel for all. How cool is that? Like that's what Paul wants us to understand. And so he gives us this message. Like it's the gospel for all. But then he continues on like God's plan. Remember, this is God's plan. God's plan is not only it's the gospel for all, it's the job for all. Go back to this passage. Verse 7. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Now that statement, I've been given the privilege of serving him. If you look in the King James, the New King James, I think even in the CSB, no, not the CSB, maybe the uh, ESV, you'll find that the, the word there is, it says, I've been called to be a minister of the gospel, right? Now, when you think of that word minister, it kind of creates this dynamic of like a higher office or a higher calling, a higher position, a higher place. But when you actually look at the, the root word, the Greek word there, it's the, the Greek word diokonos, which literally is the idea of a servant. In fact, the actual best description and definition of that word is one who runs errands for someone else. And so if it's someone who runs errands for someone else, like that doesn't then connote the idea of being a very high office, does it? It actually connotes the idea of being like it's someone who serves someone, a servant, like a a person who's an assistant, right? Person who works for someone else. That's the picture that's given here. And so it says, Paul writing, by God's grace and by his mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. I love that because what it tells us, it's not the high office to spread the gospel. It's not the guy who stands on a stage. And I know I'm not standing on the stage, but you get it, right? Like I'm down here, I get it. I, I like to walk around. I, I get my exercise during sermon. This is my workout for the week, right here. So, um, and so, so it's not the picture of it's like it's not, it's not just the preachers that have the opportunity of spreading the gospel. It goes way beyond that. It's to all of us. It's a job for all of us. So we sit here today, and we notice like around this room, 
like I'm going to embarrass someone. He's going to kill me right now. So this is Ken Toes over here. And Ken, right now, his heartbeat just went up. Uh, his rate of, his pulse rate. Let me, let me check. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so this is Ken Toes. You've been running camera how long here? 45 years. 45 years he's been running cameras. Not this same camera, because if it was the same camera, like it would be in black and white, right? So I, I get that. But he's been running cameras here for 45 years. Oftentimes, Bruce Carey is running cameras in the middle of there. He's not here today. He's with his family in Florida. But, but like normally, he's been, he's been doing it for like 50 plus years. Uh, Joe Barry, who serves in, in this area, has been doing it for, again, 40 some years. Al Stevens, like about 50 years, has been working in the control room. I mean, and all these guys, they volunteer to do this. Now, here's what I want you to understand. So like what he does and what all of this team does every single Sunday, they've been doing it for a long time. They're, they're actually using their talent and their abilities of running this camera, which most of you in this room, if you came up, you wouldn't figure out like what the buttons do, right? And you would not know exactly how to do all this stuff. But here's what they understand. This is their opportunity. This is what their statement from Paul is. By God's grace and mighty power, Ken has been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. And he's doing it through his operating of this camera. And here's how I know that's true. I actually have proof of this, Okay. Because a few moments ago, you saw me baptize up in the, the baptistry, right? And you saw me baptize this guy right here. Dylan, stand up if you would. Dylan, come here. Stand up. So Dylan, there we go. Turn around. His hair's still a little bit wet. It looks great, though, man. Um, so uh, AJ, you want to talk to him afterwards? Maybe you can. Maybe. Okay, so Dylan's 11 years old. Now, Dylan does not live in Lynchburg. Dylan lives in Canton, Georgia. Okay. And so his mom and dad and sister are right here. Uh, they're from Georgia. And when the pandemic hit a couple of years ago, uh, because everything was shut down, they were trying to figure out, like, well, how can we go to church and what can we do? And they started watching this service every Sunday on TV. Like, they started watching this. And so we became their church. And so they were watching for, you know, all of this time. And through all of that, Dylan and, you know, in his faith, he came to know Christ. And, and today they decided as a family, I mean, we're going to drive to Lynchburg because we, Dylan wanted to get baptized right here in the church that has meant so much to him. And so Dylan is here today uh, being baptized. And here's why he's here today. Because by God's grace and mighty power... Ken has been a servant of the gospel by spreading the good news through this camera. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool how God does that? You see, it's a job for all. It is not my job to spread the gospel. It's our job. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how, whether you've been to seminary or whether you have not. It doesn't even matter, matter if you've graduated from high school or not. All of us have been called to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's how God makes a difference and impact in this world is all of us together saying, yes, here I am. Send me. It's a job for all. And so that's what Paul very clearly wants us to understand in this passage. So it's the gospel for all. It's a job for all. But if we keep reading in this passage, we also see that it's also a challenge for all. Okay, it's a challenge. And I don't mean like a challenge like, hey, I'm challenging you to do this. I mean, it's like a challenge. Like it's tough sometimes. Okay, look what it says here in verse 8. Though I'm the least deserving of all of God's people. 
He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Now, what he's talking about has been kept secret from the beginning. We've already talked about it. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Like this was not something that was a message that was available until after Christ rose from the grave and after Peter had his vision, after Paul had his transformational moment and vision there on the road to Damascus. Like after that, like this message that had been kept secret was now available to all. But notice what Paul said in the first part of this passage. I'm the least deserving of all God's people. Now, what he was talking about, certainly he's talking about his past, right? Because we know Paul was like a bad dude, right? He was a persecutor of the church. We know that. But not only that, but we also know about Paul and different stories and different, you know, theological, uh, like, backgrounds of his life and history of his life. Like, like, he also was not, like, the most dynamic guy. In fact, some of you probably have seen some images that, you know, people have drawn and kind of what, like, Paul might look like. Like, the dude is not, like, you know, a rock star. He's not, like, a Hollywood movie star. Like, you know, now, obviously, it's all just representations of kind of, of what his words are and what his thinking is. and all. Like, if you look, saw a picture of him, you're like, this guy, like, man, he looks kind of rough, right? Now, again, I, we don't know what Paul looks like. But Paul, by his own words, says, like, I'm the least deserving. I don't deserve to do this. Like, Peter, yeah, he deserves it. John, oh, yeah, you bet. Andrew and Jay, man, come on. Yeah, of course they do. But me, like seriously, me, like, man, I've got issues. I've got problems, man. I've got, I've got challenges and I've got fears and, and man, I don't know if I can pull this off and I don't know if I can do this. Like, like, and by the way, does that sound like anybody in the room? Like maybe some thoughts that have run across your mind before they've run across mine. There've been many times that I've walked down the stage like, man, I don't, I don't deserve to do this. Like, I don't know what to say, man. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I mean, that's happened many, many times. Why? Because I know, just as Paul said, like I'm the least deserving to get to do what I do. But so are you. What Paul was very clearly making evident to us all here is that despite fears and despite anxiety and despite like, you know, worried about what people might think and self, you know, uh, issues of, of, of understanding, like self-conscious issues, like despite all that stuff, it's a privilege. Yeah, it's tough sometimes. Yes, it's a challenge sometimes. Yes, people will criticize you sometimes. Yes, people will laugh in your face sometimes. Yes, they will tell you you're an idiot sometimes. Yes, they will tell you you don't know what you're talking about sometimes. And yes, sometimes you will actually sound like an idiot who doesn't know what they're saying. I've done that. I promise. Like, like I know. In fact, I, I've gone back a couple of times like in the last few years and watched like some of my first few sermons. Dude, man, I pulled it over on you guys. I can't believe you hired me to do this. Like, I, I, yes, it's going to be tough. It's a challenge for all of us. So what? Because here's the cool thing. We are not here to represent ourselves. We are not here to lift up anything that we can do. We are not here to tell people how great we are. We are here to talk about what Jesus has already done. We are here to talk about what only Jesus can do. We are here to talk about the good news, the gospel that only Jesus can accomplish. It is through him and him alone to get over yourself and just be obedient. It's the gospel for all. It's the job for all. Yes, it's a challenge. No question. But we keep reading this passage. But understand, we underscore that like it's also the purpose for all.
Like all, all the time, like, we want, like what's God's plan for my life? What's God's purpose for my life? Here's God's purpose for your life. I, I'm giving it to you right now out of his word, not mine. His words. Here's God's purpose for your life. We go back to the passage, verse 10. God's purpose in all of this. Got that? God's purpose in all of this. Not Jonathan's purpose. Not the Baptist purpose. Not the Pentecostal purpose. Not the Methodist purpose. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's the idea, the element that we get from this. The church of Jesus Christ is designed to be, our purpose is to be the earthly representative of the heavenly truths. How are we doing? Let me say that again because I want to make sure it, like, it hits home. God's purpose for us, God's purpose for the body of Christ is that the church would be the earthly representation of God's heavenly wisdom and heavenly truths. That's a heavy responsibility, isn't it? Because we're a bunch of people who are people. We're a bunch of humans who always fall short. We're a bunch of individuals that blow it at times. We're a bunch of individuals that make mistakes. We're a bunch of individuals that do dumb things sometimes. But God chose us. Paul's saying, listen, I don't get it. I don't really understand it. Like, I don't know why God did this. Like, God certainly could have come up with a better plan, right? But God chose us. So how are we doing? Now let me just give you one more quick thought. We'll close. When I ask that question, how are we doing? Understand that really what I'm asking is how are you doing? Because I'm not asking how the corporate church is doing, right? I mean, when somebody looks at the corporate body of believers, like what we do, like we do a lot of great stuff around here. We do it well. A lot of churches do it really well. We've got great churches in our community. They do it really well. What I'm asking is, how are, how are you doing? How am I doing? Because if I'm called to be the earthly representative of God's heavenly truth and God's heavenly wisdom, like that puts a pretty heavy weight on my shoulders that like I got to make sure that when I'm not standing on this stage, when I'm not in this room, when I'm out in the community, that I'm actually being that earthly representative of God's heavenly truth and God's heavenly wisdom. So how are you doing? Because God's plan, God's purpose in all of this, according to Paul, was that you would be found faithful. So my encouragement to you today through the words of Paul is just be faithful. Are you going to mess up sometimes? Yeah, count on it. You will. I have. You will. We all will. You're going to blow it? Yeah, you will. When you do, confess it. God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. That's what God, 1 John 1, 9 is all about. But make it your intention. Make it your plan. Make it your, your focus in everything that you do. Like the before you do it, before you respond to that person who cuts you off on the highway, before 
that waiter brings you the wrong food for the fourth time. Before your neighbor is creating all kinds of problems in your neighborhood. Before that teacher or that professor just drives you nuts. Before that fellow student continues to criticize you, make up stories about you and you want to respond. Before any of that, ask yourself the question, how can I be an earthly representative of God's heavenly truth and God's heavenly wisdom in this situation? Ask yourself that question. Because if you do, I promise it'll change how you react. I promise it'll change what you do next. I promise it'll change how you respond. I promise it'll change how you feel. And ultimately what it will do is this is it will then be an opportunity for God to use you to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the challenge that we needed today because we, the church, want to do the right thing and so often we don't. So God, I pray that today you would help us in this moment. God, I pray that you would encourage us in this moment. I pray that you would allow us today Lord, to recognize the opportunity that we have to serve you and that we would be faithful. But God, ultimately, as we also gather in this room and those watching or listening right now, there may be someone who's never come to that moment where they've experienced the fruit of the good news of the gospel. They've never recognized and understood that Jesus died for them and that he rose for them. And that by believing in him, that they can find salvation. Father, I pray that you would today give them the opportunity in this moment through the Holy Spirit's work in this place. Help them to come to that decision right now. God, others in this room who are our followers of Christ, but man, they've not been great earthly representatives of God's heavenly truth and God's heavenly wisdom. God, there, there probably will be some moments right now where people need to say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going to do better. And God, I pray that you would put that on the hearts of men and women in this room to do that. Father, I pray ultimately we would all be that earthly representative and be who you've called us to be because we know that is your plan. And God, for that, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. In a moment, we're going to stand and Charles is going to lead us in this song. And as we do, the altar is open. Our team is gathering here. And if you need to make a decision, if you need to like respond to something that God taught you today or God told you today. If you want to come and meet Christ, man, our team is here. We'd love to share with you who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Regardless of what it is, if you want to join our church, come for baptism. And you don't even have to come from Georgia to do it. Like you can do it from right here in the room. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, I I encourage you to do it today in this moment. Charles, lead us. Let's stand. Let's sing. The altar is open.
today, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the calling you've placed on all of us. Help us to be found faithful. God, as we leave this place today, Lord, help us to do what you've called us to do. And God, for that, Lord, we give you the praise. Help us to be the earthly representative of what you want us to be today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar remains open. We'd love to have you come down and connect. Our young adult ministry is just outside of this door. They'd love to connect with you as well. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.